How's it going, everybody? Episode 7 of the Ball and Roll Pick and Pod. This will probably be the first podcast we record while one of us is confirmed hungover. As always, stay locked into ballandroll.com for the best basketball content. Also, don't forget to check out the shop. Uh, check out shop.ballandroll.com for the hottest basketball gear in the universe. So let's get after it. I'm feeling like doo-doo. Boys, how's it going? Ogie, what's happening? Hey, not a whole lot, man. I'm doing okay. I mean... Again, crazy. We got James Dolan kicking fans out of the arena. We got the Lakers playing LeBron with like rookies. It's it's a crazy time of year, man. It's uh. I saw that. I I was um I was away at a conf- at a grad school conference this past weekend, and I just was completely disconnected from the NBA for the past forty eight hours. I come back and I just see what James Dolan was doing, and that was actually kind of funny. I mean, <laughs> like what the, what what? How does he even do that? That's kind of stupid. Kevin, how are you doing? Man, you know, living my best life. Uh, Brooklyn Nets, they're balling out. They've been uh-huh. my team for for this year while Chicago just does their own thing. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, playoff mode activated. And yeah, yeah, just just doing me, man. Just doing you? Yeah. So since we're recording this on a Sunday evening, boys, how's your weekend been? Um, you know what? Pretty uneventful. So went to bed early. Mm-hmm. Um, went to gym. Yeah. That's about it. Watch a lot of ball, man. That's awesome. Hey, like, what about you, Rich? Oh, God. Um, let me try to remember the past 48 <laughs> yeah. hours. So I got to my conference in Barrie on Friday. In Barrie? Yeah. Oh. It was like some random hotel in the middle of nowhere. But it's essentially the small biomechanics conference that has just a few schools going there. And mm-hmm. it's just a it's just a complete shit show where a lot of people drink, but then you have a lot of cool presentations. And my presentation was on the last day. It was this morning at 10 a.m., um, and for some reason we decided to drink until like five in the morning on Saturday on, on, uh, last night, because my thinking was if I don't drink la- like last night, I would just think about my talk the entire evening. So <laughs> instead I'm like, I'm just going to drink as much as I can and hope to survive this morning. And, and how the presentation go? It went really well. And it's funny because I woke up at 8 a.m. this morning and I was just feeling like doo-doo. And then I get to the to the conference room. There's like 100 people there listening to talks. And when I get called up to the podium and I'm just – I get up there. The first second that I look at my presentation, I'm just really hungover. I stare at it and I'm like, for a second, wait, what's my topic again? And then after, like in a split second, I just kind of get everything together, make some jokes, talk goes well. And kind of survive. Now I'm back here. I tried to watch a Raptor game today, but I was just in and out of sleep. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty good segue. Let's talk some Raptors. They set a franchise record today. Ogi, I know you were watching every minute of it. Yeah, I was. I mean, that was impressive. I think that was their best all around game, really, since since the All Star break and since uh, you know they've they've restructured their team. Both yeah. and you know the, both the starters and the bench units looked good. Uh, the chemistry looked good. I mean, they shot obviously they shot the ball well. Listen, a road game against Miami in Miami is by no means easy, especially against the Miami team that's, you know, fighting for their playoff lives and that, that have been playing pretty well lately. So, that, yeah, that was an impressive win. So, it I, I feel like the question people always ask about the Raptors is, is what's their consistent – like, when are they ever going to be consistent? And it seems like today they kind of put it all together. They put it all together against Boston and things went off the rails against like Portland and then things got really, really bad against like Houston. So like what is going on with this Raptor team? And I think, I think what we see today is how they can play in the playoffs, but I just, at this point, I don't even know if they can do it consistently. 
And remember, Leonard Leonard didn't play today either. Mm-hmm. And I think you, I think you've said you've said this a couple of times uh, how their style of play is a little bit different with Leonard out, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, they have a pretty good record without him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know exactly what it is, and you know the the level of teams they've played, but the, the team can win without him. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they run without him. They run a lot more, and that's something, yeah. Kevin. Kevin, you talked you touched on this um, before oh, we man. clicked the record button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know me. I, like Richard knows that I love when guys run the ball. Um, run the court. It, it, big men in Chicago, they have known to run the uh, run the floor, and mm-hmm. I, I just always love that. But today, what you saw was Kyle Lowry. You yeah. saw the dog in that boy. I talked so much trash about him this year just because he somehow squeezed into an all-star team and things like that. But right now, you're seeing Kyle Lowry that could really help you in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. I'm just hoping that just stays consistent. He mm-hmm. shot the lights out. He just drove the ball up, just pulled up, hit a three. Six out of 11 from the three-point line today. That's what you need. You need that Kyle Lowry in the playoffs, and you're set, boys. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the big thing with the last few games. Like You just see Lowry really starting to play well. Like you saw him drop 35 points against the Pistons. Uh, I think he dropped the triple-double last game against uh, New Orleans and a near triple-double today. I think that's the big takeaway. Because, you know, when Kawhi Leonard plays, he's going to play good defense. He's going to put up 25 points. Pascal Siakam's been scoring like 20 points a game for the past like 20 20 games straight. It's Mm -hmm. the big question now is – Kyle Lowry and his consistency with a shot because you can just tell when he's on the floor, things happen and he can just affect the game in so many ways. But if he can just add that consistent jump shot, especially from, from the perimeter, it just makes the Raptors so tough. And you just saw that today. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, the the Raptors, they, they, they elevate their game to another level when Lowry's playing like Lowry. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's all the more important now with Van Fleet out too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And it seems like Van Vliet is nearing a return too, which is good. And the Raptors really need some stability on the bench. And that's something I really wanted to discuss today because it seems like when the Raptors starting unit comes into the game, especially in, in the third quarter when the Raptors try to take it up, uh, kind of take it up a notch after a slow first half. Yeah, but the second unit is just kind of slugging along, and with Marcus back there, we thought that it would kind of get a little energized. But it seems like they're just missing something, and it might be it might be Fred VanVleet. We saw a little bit of a, a few good good signs today with OG Ananobi playing well. Uh, Jeremy yeah. Lin did a couple of nice things, but the Raptors really need to get their second unit back to playing consistently good basketball. And yeah. how does that happen, Ogie? Uh, that's a good question. First, I think they need to get everybody back intact. Mm-hmm. Right? You need to get Van Fleet healthy. Um, when Leonard starts playing, obviously, more consistently, when he starts playing more games, when the playoffs near, this team needs to figure out their rotations. I mean, you're mm-hmm. not going to be playing 10 or 11 guys uh, mm-hmm. in your first series in the playoffs. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes down to sort of the nitty-gritty, you got your starting five. Uh, Van Fleet's your sixth man. Gasol is probably, you know, your seventh man. Some games mm-hmm. will start. Some games Ibaka will start. But who, who else plays? So mm-hmm. is, it, is it OG? Is it Norman? Is it is it Jeremy Lin? Uh, McCaw started today. What are his minutes going to be like? I think this team really needs to figure mm-hmm. out exactly what their rotations are going to look like. And that's yeah. up to Nick Nurse. You know, that's up to the coaching staff to sort of see who fits where, uh, how many games they have left, about 15. So you basically have 15 games. You know, you get the fleet back healthy to figure out who fits where and what your rotations look like in the playoffs. Once you've figured that out, once you have some stability, I think that's when this team will start to thrive. Um, I, if, and if you were to ask me who, like, 
whether it's Powell that should be playing, you know, whether it's OG, whether it's how how do Lynn and and, and Van Fleet coexist, or to what extent do they spend uh, their time together on the court? I'm not yeah. exactly sure about that yet, right? It's gonna sort of be like a trial and error type thing when everybody gets healthy to see how mm-hmm. how uh, each player fits next to the other. So we'll see. You know, there's 50 games left. Let the coaching staff sort of figure out how where things stand, and uh, hopefully it's it's you know set up heading into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, touching on what you said, Ogi, you mentioned Powell. Um, what do you guys genuinely think about Powell's impact on this team? Because he put in over, uh, he put in around 24 minutes today, and he's the only guy in double-digit minutes who got a plus-minus of a negative. At a really? certain point, negative six, negative five, ended the game with a negative one. Um, when he was on the court is when I saw Miami was making a push. They brought the game down to like ten points or something like that. That's what that's what happened. What are your thoughts on Powell going on forwards? Well, go ahead. Um, yeah, let me take this one. See, the, and this kind of builds off of what um, Ogie said as well. Mm-hmm. I think when the playoffs begin, you got to tighten up your your rotation. Um, I know they said on the on the broadcast today that the Raptors have the the opportunity to play like 10, 11 guys deep. But I think that's just something you got to use during the regular season. You need that depth to survive an 82-game season. In the playoffs, you got to go with eight, nine guys, your best guys, and you, ha- you just got to ride them out in the playoffs because everything's completely different. And that being said, I think with the second unit, you just got to be so careful with a guy like Norman Powell because sometimes he can go off for three – but then other times he just throws up bricks. He makes bad decisions. He banks. He banks layoffs, layups off, off the backboard. It it doesn't look good. And like for a, I, I think for a couple months now, I've been a, I've been a big proponent of uh, Patrick McCaw just because I feel like he provides the Raptors with a little bit more than what Norman Powell does. Yeah, I mean, Patrick McCaw is like a six, seven guard. He can defend multiple positions and he's just always going, you know, like the motor's always going with Norman Powell. Like you see, every now and then you see him get lost on defense. He doesn't get with the switches. And then he sometimes he's sometimes a little more aggressive on offense than he should be. And that's why I really prefer Patrick McCaw to Norman Powell, because Patrick McCaw understands his game and he plays within his boundaries. Norman Powell tries to expand his, his game and he literally just can't do it. And I yeah. think that when he tries to expand and go, go out of his comfort zone, that's when the Raptors kind of go like, oh God, what's going to happen now? And yeah. that, that's why I think, like, especially come playoffs, you have Marcus off the bench. Hopefully the chemistry between Fred Van Vliet and Jeremy Lin it goes well because I really like Jeremy Lin. I think he has high basketball IQ. He makes the right plays on offense. Obviously, you'd want him to shoot the three a little better, but I think he makes the correct decisions with the basketball. Um, OG Ananobi's been playing pretty well lately, and I think if it's up to me between Patrick McCaw and Norman Powell, I would prefer Patrick McCaw simply because I just know what I'm going to get with him. With Norman Powell, I have no idea. He's like a loose cannon. He might make three three three-pointers, or he might just miss five shots and just be overly aggressive and play just get lost on defense. You know what I mean, guys? And it's it's so, it's so strange with Powell because if you guys remember, um, I think it was his rookie season or his second mm. season. He played fantastic. He started some games and he was yeah. he was excellent. I mean, he just played his role. He hit open shots. He didn't force anything. Mm-hmm. Played defense. He he was fabulous. And then that yeah. that following summer, I think he. Uh, yeah. He got like summer league MVP or he was on the first all, all summer league team. And then he got that extension and then 
things just went downhill from there. Mm-hmm. For some he and, and he just I hasn't think- been able to find any consistency. Like today, he played he played great today, right? He had 15 points, hit some shots. He looked good. But then he, Powell's the kind of player, the next three games, he's, he's going to look bad. He's going to look brutal. So you, you never really know what you're going to get from him. And in the playoffs, you, you, can't, you can't afford to have that inconsistency. And the other thing with McCaw is this guy has plenty of you know, finals and playoff experience too. So that's another thing that he has going for him. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah. And I think, uh, Ogie, I think he actually just hit the nail on the head. Back in his rookie season, he didn't force anything. He played within himself. He stayed on the wings. He took the open shot. He didn't put, uh, he wasn't overly aggressive. And then once he got that contract extension, it's almost like he's trying to live up to that contract extension. He just can't do it. But when you're, yeah. And and you, I mean, the Raptors don't need that from, and I don't understand why why he has this, I guess, self inflicted pressure on him. When you're surrounded Mm -hmm. by, very good players, very good playmakers. Like all you literally all you need to do is just, you know, play your role, hit open mm-hmm. shots, don't force anything, move the ball along, and you'll yeah. be fine. But for some reason, oh, he's not exactly. that. that's why Patrick McCaw, he is the way he is right now. He played on a Golden State team, just uh, uh surrounded by scorers. Mm-hmm. That forces you to acknowledge that you have to stay within your role. Yeah. It takes to win a championship. Mm-hmm. He comes in with that understanding. That's why I think he got the nod today. On that starting position for yeah. Kawhi, and mm-hmm. he, like, he he didn't put up big numbers, but that's not the whole point. He mm-hmm. played his role. He clogged up lanes. He put his hand up when he needed to. Maybe not steals blocks, but he did what the team needed to mm-hmm. go up the points. That's it. Yeah, and he let the game come to him. Like I, I think exactly. he scored eleven or twelve points, and he yeah. scored when he, had the, when he had the open shot. When he had the open lane, he's gonna yeah. try and and put put the ball in the net. Like he exactly. makes the right pass. Like there are a couple times where he did the right basketball play and give the ball up to Danny Green, who had an open three-point shot, defense yeah. multiple positions, and, like, the kid hustles. Like, oh, he's, sure. like while everyone's playing, like, zone, this guy is, like, covering covering the, uh, covering the a dude on the inbound, you mm-hmm. know? Like exactly. It, and I, I love that. And that's kind of what I really like about guys like, like Pascal Siakam as well, like OG Ananobi. Like, these guys just always run. So yeah. when you, when you just when Kawhi Leonard is not there, the Raptors are just such a quick team and so hard to defend, mm-hmm. um, which is what I I really like um, and what I want to see more of when a guy like Fred Van Lee comes back because that's when the Raptors just become so tough because they have so many guys who have a high basketball IQ and they know how to play on the run. Like even a guy like Pascal Siakam, he hasn't played bas- he hasn't been playing basketball for a long time. I think he really started taking it seriously when he was like sixteen. Yeah. And you can just see that he just has that natural feel for the game when he plays. Oh, oh you know? yeah. Because uh, the last game, what I was watching, um, there was an outlet pass, mm-hmm. which was a wild outlet pass where it was near the rim, but going out of bounds. Siakam, mm-hmm. who was down there, jumped up, grabbed the ball, passed it in. Mm-hmm. He's freakishly athletic, but with amazing instinct. He has mm-hmm. a natural instinct, which he can uh, associate with his reflexes as well and just make a good play fast. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. This guy is a diamond in the rough, and you got him. And I oh, am yeah. for it. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Pascal Siakam is better than anyone on the Chicago Bulls. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, let's not go there. Zach Levine has scored the second most points in the league since the All Star. Lori, rookie year, he had the most amount of threes. Boy was lighting it up, dude. There we go. Yeah. So here's, here's a question for the both of you. I'll start with Kevin. Hey, so if the Raptors play consistently like they did today or how yeah. they did in the second half against New Orleans or yeah. how they played against the Boston Celtics, do you think they can 
beat a team like the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs? See, that's the thing. I I don't think Raptors have what they uh, like what it's necessary to beat a team like Bucks. Bucks have it down to like they have it down perfectly. Mm-hmm. They have a guy who can just break down defenses, mm-hmm. being um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, yeah. and a bunch of shooters. Yeah, and that's all you need. You don't need a guy to grab the boards when you have guys who can just light it up. Yeah, and uh, I think Raptors lack um, lack guys who can play their roles. Well, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I think so. I think you guys have a bunch of superstars. It's some who know to play the roles. Well, there are some who come off the bench. They don't know what to do, boy. Well, okay. Um, hmm. I mean, I guess guys like Pascal Siakam, Danny Green, OG Ananobi know how to play their role. I think once Fred Van Vliet comes back, guys will kind of be put into into place. I, I I agree. Norman Powell has no idea what his role on the team is, and I think the Raptors just got to keep trying to work on in getting um, Marcus All into the flow of things. But well, the big thing with the Bucks is like they're I think they're like top five defense as well in basketball. Yeah, yeah so they're they're a top five defense and top five offense. They shoot a lot of threes. They have the best player in the Eastern Conference. And yeah. I mean they blow teams out. Like the I, I've the more I watch this team, the more I'm just like, Jesus Christ, they're really good at basketball. Yeah, like, and to answer your question and, and kind of yeah. uh, respond to what Kevin said as well. Sure. The Bucks, the Bucks are set. So the, this yeah. team knows exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what their rotations look like. Mm-hmm. Each player knows what their role is, mm-hmm. and I can't say that right now about the Raptors. Exactly. So I mean, look, it's 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 March tenth. There's still some time until the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I don't have the necessary amount of confidence in the Raptors to mm-hmm. say that they can beat the Bucks in a seven game series with Milwaukee having home court advantage. I just mm-hmm. don't. But mm-hmm. there are there are a number of variables there as well. I don't know if you guys heard, but recently Kawhi said that basically he considers the regular season 82 practice games or practices until the playoffs start. No, that's a big dick move right Adam, there. Yeah, I mean, Adam Silver wasn't too pleased about that. Uh, others <laughs> weren't too pleased about that. But look, look I mean, it, it, have we not seen the best of Kawhi yet? Like, is he saving himself? Will he elevate his game to the next level when the playoffs come around, maybe, possibly. But yeah, this guy has—he's a, he's a Finals MVP. He's won a title before. Will he take the next step? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's quite possible. And if yeah. Lowry could play like he has played today, you get Van Fleet back healthy. Uh, if the bench, you know, sort of establishes some chemistry, and you you get an eight to nine man rotation heading into the playoffs, mm-hmm. yeah, I, the Raptors could beat anybody, sure. Yeah. But right now, as of today, I think. Milwaukee is a little bit more established, um, mm-hmm. and I'd have more confidence in in backing mm-hmm. them. But things could change. I mean, even even the Celtics are playing a little bit better now. Yeah, that, they that, won a couple of games. So things, things, it's 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 fluid, man. Things change kind of on a mm-hmm. weekly basis here. Yeah, the thing I really like with the Raptors, though, especially in a matchup with the Bucks, is that they can match up with uh, Giannis better than anyone in the Eastern Conference. I think with guys like Pascal Siakam and uh, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, that's kind of the best you can do with a guy like Giannis. Giannis is still going to get his. But, I mean, the Raptors kind of have the best uh, front line to defend against that. And 
Um, a concern with the Raptors lately has been their three uh, all season has been the three point shooting, and lately they've been getting those shots in. So if that stays consistent. If their def- defensive tenacity stays the same, like the Raptors are a tough team when they just really engage themselves and really play to the best of their ability. And like I said before, I think the Milwaukee Bucks kind of hit their ceiling. I don't know if they got anything oh. left. I mean, like with this current roster, like dude, they're playing really, really well right now. Like. Yeah. What else is left for them to do? I think this is it, and they're just playing it on this level consistently. And yeah. I, I, but at the same time, that's really what basketball is: is getting to that highest level and just playing it mm-hmm. at that level as consistently as possible. So sure. even with the Raptors, I I think that even the first round, once they get to the first round, and uh, who knows who they're going to play in the first round yet, but it's going to be a much weaker team. And I think what the Raptors can do in that first round is just kind of try to work try try to see what works because Fred Van Vliet is going to be back there might be like five six games left in the season you can mm-hmm. keep testing things out in the first round of the playoffs and like once the playoff atmosphere is there you can just try to figure things out in the first round right yeah, um, yeah. but also to add on to that um Bucks the reason why they're also well over the machine right now is because of the coaching yeah Mike Fuldenhoser he is a decorated coach yeah he has all the qualities to be one of the greatest coaches of all time. If you know what his career goes in this particular trajectory, no shade at Nick Nurse, but I didn't know about Nick Nurse till this year. Well, I mean, terrible part. But I mean, Nick Nurse has coached professionally since like 1990. Sure, and, so has yeah, but you, and, you can't you can't compare his resume to Budenholzer. No, of course not. But I think the, the difference between Nurse and Casey is that Nurse can make better in-game adjustments, which is important and which is very important I feel in the playoffs. Like I think Nurse can make better in-game adjustments. I think he can make better adjustments game to game, which I mean, you kind of have to do when you're in the playoffs because a series is only seven games. You you fall down to nothing, and like now you're in a massive hole. And I think Nick Nurse is pretty well equipped to just be a good playoff coach. I don't think so. His his history as an NBA NBA uh, or as a coach in general is primarily D League until he came to the Raptors in 2013 as an assistant coach. But but dude, like he got a job for a reason, you know. Like I'm there. I mean, has four NBA championships as an assistant coach. Yeah, NBA coach of the year. Dude, but head coach as well. Mm -hmm. I I mean, Europe before, like it's since '93. He's, I think he's the better coach. And when it comes to playoffs, he's the he's the better coach. Yeah, but I'm not saying Nick Nurse is just horrible. I think Nick he's Nurse not is horrible. He's earned that position for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not disputing that. But when it comes to playoffs, it takes a lot for the coach to kind of compose the team when they need to be composed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where this guy comes in. It's not like Jason Kidd. I'm not sure if you guys remember when Jason Kidd was a coach. He had the bright idea of asking a player to come and hit the coke out of his hand to uh-huh. get time out. It's not like that. Mike Woodenhoser, he's going to have it down to the science. He's mm-hmm. been there. He's done that. He knows what it takes. Mm-hmm. He's going to control the guys. He'll he'll know what lineups to set. And I think that's another uh, field where the Raptors are going to be, get beat if they get met, met up in a seven-game series. Kevin, I, I agree. I agree that I would rather have Budenholzer on the bench. But let's look at the personnel as well. In other words, the players and compare the experience there. The, okay. the Bucks have next to no playoff experience. They haven't made it out of the first round. Um 
Whereas the Raptors, you have you have guys like Kawhi, Marcus Saul, and Danny Green who have who have gone deep into the playoffs now. You have sure. this, this Raptors core as well, who mm-hmm. have what for three years now made it to the either the Eastern Conference semis or the Eastern Conference finals. So mm-hmm. if we're gonna talk about maybe coaches cracking under pressure or not living up to expectations, yeah, then let's talk about players too, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's it's sure. quite possible that the Bucks will find themselves come uh, you know come end of may beginning of june they'll find themselves in a new sort of situation where they haven't been before and where you know you you tighten up perhaps in the yeah. in the in the fourth quarter where those shots that you freely shoot in the regular season you start to maybe doubt yourself a little bit mm. or when it's a close game and you have 2 minutes left and you got to you know get a stop it's not as easy in the playoffs as it is mm-hmm. in the regular season so yeah. i i'm with you i rather have budenholzer uh, on the on my bench come playoff time, but if we're looking at experience on the court, I think the Raptors hold a significant advantage there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't do that bad last year either. They, I, I'm sure they still have that sore wound, which they are they want a redemption from. Mm-hmm. They, they, sure. lost, they won three games last year against Celtics. I think they're going to use that as a drive for this year. And that's wait, 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 wait. Who are you talking, Bucks right now? Last year? Yeah. No, they the the Bucks played against the Raptors last year in the first round. They, no, but they it got knocked out against the Celtics, did they not? No, I no. The Raptors played them in the first round and they beat them in six games. I don't know, dude. I think Whoa. they beat the Celtics. No, I, uh, let me try to think. Oh, no, because the Raptors played the Celtic, uh, the Bucks in the first round. They won in six games and they went on to play um, the Cleveland Cavaliers in round two, and then they got slapped. In, in four games, and then the Cavaliers went on to to the Eastern Conference Finals to play the Celtics, and then the Celtics lost in, I think, six or seven games. So Kevin, Kevin is right, boys. The Raptors played Washington last year. The Celtics yeah. played the Bucks. When, when did they play the Bucks? Two years Wait. ago. Two year, that was two years ago. Yeah. Two years. Okay. Okay. There we go. Come on, boy. You're My bad, man. My bad, dude. It's just we we're in the playoffs. All I know about the Raptors playoffs in the past five years is that we eventually lost to LeBron. And just hey. something happened beforehand, and it's completely forgettable. Um, but speaking of LeBron, what are your thoughts on trading LeBron? Because <sighs> <laughs> that's apparently the big fad going on in the NBA right now. Well, Every- let, let me, let me, let let me maybe raise a few of your eyebrows, boys. Sure. Uh, it's it's unrealistic. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's incredibly unrealistic. Even the thought of trading James, mm-hmm. but. Would it be in this franchise's best interest? Perhaps. I think it really would because by giving him away, you're opening up all of your cap space essentially. And if there's there's sort of like a floating rumor that Kawhi doesn't want to come to come to the Lakers, and I hate to be talking about this as a Raptors fan, but there's there's a theory, you know, uh, going around the league that Kawhi sort of doesn't want to play with LeBron. He doesn't want to be in LeBron's shadow. So if yeah. they could, you know, if they could get find a find a suitor for a, what 34 5 6 year old lebron however old he is yeah. open up a bunch of cap space and then go after like durant or or Kawhi. um it, <laughs> that would definitely be in in the lakers best interest but i obviously I, like will it will it happen obviously not i personally don't agree with that i think lebron is still i don't know if people still consider him the best player in the nba but he's definitely yes. one of the top players in the nba and Despite a lost Lakers season, he's still playing like one of the greatest players in the league. Well, I need to I need to push you on that there, Rich. You're you're telling me that you would rather have a 35 year old LeBron for another two or three years instead of a Durant or Leonard in his prime for what 
four or five? Well, the here, thing is, that Lakers had this long to sign a free agent. Mm-hmm. They haven't been able to do anything since Kobe. Yeah, and but, came through. Mm-hmm. So you you treasure this kid. I get it. For trade assets, you're gonna get a lot for LeBron James. Just because mm-hmm. it's LeBron James. And personally, I'm against the whole idea of trading him. Keep him mm-hmm. here. I get players to come over here because yeah. LeBron is Hollywood. You you want to write off this kid's back, and he's mm-hmm. been calling out for the Lakers over the yeah. past few games. Even though the team wants to put him on a minute restriction and whatnot, like mm-hmm. last night he dropped 30, 10, and twelve on a game that looked like it was done at the beginning itself. But LeBron, with the help of Mo Wagner, um, like who who else was there last night? It was just players that Alex Caruso. LeBron didn't even know Alex Caruso's name till two weeks ago. Basically, did, did you guys see that clip when uh, I saw that when, that when LeBron sad. when LeBron set the or passed MJ for the record? Yeah, hi, my yeah, name's Alex Caruso. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, but just, just like that, Le- LeBron's trying so hard. So don't think about trading him away. Use yeah. him as your centerpiece. This guy's willing to do anything mm-hmm. to get you guys to the playoffs. Yeah. Use that guy. And I, I also think that LeBron just drives so much money for a team oh, that you can't. Like as a business, you cannot trade LeBron. Like, yeah, I understand he's thirty-four, and I think he got four. I think three more years left after this, after this mm-hmm. season. But we've never seen a player like LeBron before, and and this like we don't even. I don't even know. Like next, he, he's going to come into the se- into the season next year. Do we think he's just going to have a massive fall off? I don't. No. I think LeBron is still capable of being one of the top players in basketball for the next couple of seasons, and the thing is, like. I know it's LA and it's easier for the Lakers to bring in uh, free agents, but I mean, you don't get a LeBron James every, like exactly. every, every off season. Like yeah. this is a prized free agent that you sign and you yeah, want no, to mean, get rid of him. It, 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 yeah. You know, and if, if they trade LeBron away, what does that say to the other free agents? Like, what the hell? I'm going, exactly. I'm, I'm trying to sign a, a long term deal to go with the Lakers. And this guy, LeBron James, just got traded after one year. When he's like, I mean, he's I don't I, like I said last week. I don't think he's the main problem in L.A. I think it's management, and I genuinely feel bad for the guy. Like he has so much money and he has so much going on in his life, and he has to play with Alex Caruso. I'm, like that's <laughs> come on, man. How are you gonna talk hard. trash about that guy? That's heartbreaking. But, he's going bold. He's having a rough right now. Yeah, but, but 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 my point is, you trade him away and you get cap space and you get probably a ton of yeah. prospects. But prospects are for poor teams. Exactly. We're, we're talking Lakers. Like they're gonna they're gonna be able to sign a big name free agent if LeBron's there and they have that cap space open for another max guy. Like that shouldn't be an issue. Mm-hmm. The main thing with the Lakers is just filling out the rest of their roster with guys who are compatible with LeBron's game. Yeah, that's why we saw Cleveland uh, a couple years ago when they were playing in the playoffs and Kevin Love got hurt and Kyrie Irving got hurt. But the the Cavs are still playing really well. And the reason for that is because the guys around LeBron are just so perfect for his style of play. Like J.R. Smith, uh, all these guys, Channing Frye, all of these guys who can run the floor and just shoot. That's that's what LeBron needs. So, I mean, if the plan is to just keep building towards the future for the Lakers after this season and just try to, like, you have the foundation here with LeBron. The goal is probably to add another superstar. But you just need to put the right pieces around these guys. 
like Rajon Rondo, Michael Beasley, JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee's not too bad. But, like, just having, having all these guys, they're useless, you know? Like, yeah. how many shooters are around LeBron? Like, the Lakers cannot shoot. And I think that's the main thing. And the Lakers are also not a good defensive team. So, I like, what do you really want to do? I don't think LeBron's the issue. I think you just have to go out there. Be, be the Lakers, add another superstar, and then just fill the rest of the roster with guys who just are good fits a, around LeBron. And here, here's here's one thing, boys, that I want to mention. Uh, obviously, we you know Ingram's out for the year um, with actually a pretty serious oh, that's blood clot. Yeah. With a serious that's blood clot issue. Yeah, that sounds bad. Good thing they yeah, good thing they discovered that on time. Lonzo's out for the year. Who knows if Kuzma will play? Exactly. So this team obviously is headed nowhere. And you know you have a you have a quick look at the standings, and the Lakers quietly have they're tied for the eighth worst record in the league. Yeah. So you know they they continue losing mm-hmm. until from now until the end of the year. I mean it's oh, come on. I, it's it's quite possible that this team you you get a top five pick. Oh come on, that would be That's all we need right now. LeBron James getting a lottery pick as well. Well, look, if you don't want to use it, if you don't want to draft somebody, that, that fifth pick is going to have an incredible amount of value around the league. Yeah, I mean, you'll be able to do quite a bit with that. So, I mean, as much as, as people want to, you know, this of, of course, this season's been a failure, a, a big time. But if, if you're going to take something positive out of it, I mean, end of the season, you might be looking at like a top five, six pick, which, which in my opinion is better than finishing eighth and getting destroyed swept by the Warriors. I mean, I, th- I think we came into the season knowing that Lakers weren't going to do well this season. I, don't, that was I wouldn't say that. that. No, no. I, no, I knew they were going to make it into the playoffs, mm-hmm. but I didn't think they were going to win a championship. That, that wasn't in the picture. Yeah. Everybody knew that. You have a bunch of young kids. You're not going to get LeBron mm-hmm. miss my, getting uh, getting on the bus and taking them into championship. No, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I actually, yeah, that's not gonna happen this year. yeah, I actually agree with that point. Like yeah, last time, I think NBA is going to be broken this year, just not having LeBron mm-hmm. in the playoffs. The last time LeBron was not in the playoffs, uh, Steph Curry was still a child. I mean, uh, kind of w. Bush the, was la- still- the last time LeBron was not in the playoffs, Drake was still on Degrassi. Exactly. <laughs> Number one song was the Candy Shop by 50 Cent. How about that? I'm just saying NBA is going to be broken once LeBron's not going to be in the playoffs. LeBron has been NBA for quite some time. Yeah. He's just been a staple. But I, I hate to say it, but I, th- I think we may be seeing sort of the changing of the guard. I mean, exactly. he's 35 years old. He's on a team that probably isn't going to be competing for a championship unless they acquire a superstar or two. I think, yeah, I think it's like a transition period. Now, who's going to be the new face of the NBA? Is it Steph, Durant, uh, Giannis, Harden? But I, I think we're slowly, slowly, slowly starting to see a changing of the guard. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say changing the guard per se because the Lakers can just turn around acquire a superstar and then build a really good playoff team and they'll be right back into the thick of things and the Warriors might fall fall apart in free eight in uh, free agency this offseason so I wouldn't just say changing the, of the guard per se but I see what you mean um Rich, yeah Rich you have to understand the narrative already don't get me wrong I am not with this movement which start to kind of tarnish Le- uh, LeBron's legacy yeah. Just purely based on him not making the playoffs this year, I want everybody to know that that should not be a conversation. It uh, was that's so stupid. That led up to this point, which is which you're not letting them into the playoffs. 
But LeBron is one of the greatest of all time. But right now, the narrative is that LeBron might not be as great as what everybody says he is. That just is because crazy. he's not able to get, get him into the playoffs, which is crazy talk. That is so stupid. Right. Talk about how his legacy get, uh, falters because he won't make it to the playoffs. I think, and I agree with one of your earlier points, the Lakers kind of signed LeBron James and figured just by having LeBron James on board, they're just going to be in the playoffs. You know? Yeah. That's not how it works. No. <laughs> like, you don't just add one guy and, like, you suddenly go from being a horrible team to a playoff team. The fact that they were in the fourth in the fourth uh in fourth place for like a couple of weeks was just remarkable but i mean once the season kept kind of going a little bit and everyone established themselves and the kisa rockets kind of found themselves like the lakers aren't good and like everything's a mess there uh there's injuries and honestly the main thing with the lakers is the guys that they drafted um in the in the lottery just aren't panning out like Mm -hmm. Ball is not who everyone thought he would be. Brandon Ingram is not who everyone thought they would be. Like I thought Brandon Ingram would have a really good season this year, and he was just kind of average. Like he was a role player. Kyle Kuzma, I mean, he's just kind of like an above average role player. You know, like the Lakers don't haven't really hit the jackpot in in the lottery, and especially if if like Ogie says, there's a chance that they can get a top five pick. I mean, you have LeBron. Your window is to win as right now because when you sign a guy like LeBron James, your your goal is to win in the next two three seasons. You you should probably definitely consider trading that draft pick, tra- trading a couple of your young guys. I mean, it's going to be tough now with the situation Brandon Ingram's in, mm-hmm. um, but you you got to do whatever you can to acquire some stars, acquire guys who can help you now. You can't draft like I think a guy like Cameron Reddish would be a really good fit in the Lakers with the Lakers, but. Even still, I I mean, Kevin Reddish isn't just going to come into the NBA and become a star right away. Um, I mean, I, he looks ready, dude. It's scary. This kid, his pace is insane. But he, he looks he looked ready against in, in the NCAA, which is ninety nine percent of guys don't make the NBA, oh, right? But so, I mean, there are some kids that you see, and you're like, oh, this kid is just ready for the NBA. Hmm. Jabari Parker was the last guy I thought the same thing before coming to the NBA. He just looked ready for the league. Mm-hmm. And he, here's the thing about Reddish, too. I, I, far more people would be talking about him if he were the focal point of that team. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, he's the third option on that mm-hmm. Duke team. And on some nights when Trey Jones is on, he's even the fourth option. Mm-hmm. There's literally on any other team in the country, with maybe the exception of a few like Gonzaga and Virginia, uh, Reddish would be the focal point, and we would be talking about him as a potential star, right? Mm-hmm. At Duke, he's he's like I said, the third option. He doesn't get nearly as many looks as he should. So mm-hmm. I think we can't sort of judge um, what his ceiling is sim- uh, just simply based on this season. I think there's there's a lot more that you know Reddish could do yeah. on the court if he's put in that situation. And sure. um, just to quickly touch on what you said with Reddish, and I watched a couple of Duke games over the past week. Um, the game against UNC, the game against uh, Wake Forest when Zion wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And- I kind of like Cameron Reddish over R.J. Barrett. I think Cameron Reddish is going to be a better player than R.J. Barrett. I have to disagree with you. I okay. think Barrett. I think Barrett will be an All Star in two or three years. I think he. I think. I think today he's the best Canadian. I think this guy's almost better than Wiggins. And oh. I need to. I need to preface I, that by. I, I maybe that may be a hyperbole. I just hate Wiggins. I think he's the most overpaid, overrated player in the league. I can't yeah. stand him. 
Um, mm. I think Barrett's going to be better than him very soon. I think this guy, he's going to be an all-star. Barrett is, I think RJ Barrett is the most polished player in the NCAA, which is why I kind of compare him to Jason Tatum a lot because Jason Tatum was a very polished basketball player when he was with Duke. Yeah. Um, but just but watch honestly, the camera. I, as a GM, could you go wrong with any of the first four? Zion, RJ, John Morant, or Cam Reddish? Like, you can't go wrong with them. If you use one of the top picks to pick any of those guys, you can go to sleep at night. Yeah. I, I mean, the one worry I have with Morant is he's not the greatest shooter. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. he's incredible off the bounce, right? Yeah. He, can, he can beat any, any guard in the NCAA. He's a great passer. It's just his jump shot isn't quite there yet. So yeah. that would be my my only slight concern, but in regards to the other the Duke guys, especially, I think I mean, yeah, can't miss. Although if if uh, some people have talked about Bull Bull like being being up there too, I think he, I think he has busts written all over him. I really yeah. do. I, I, I think I think his build. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Bull Bull is like just a high. There's a high bust bust factor there, yeah. but but I just what like here's the thing. It's, if you have the number one overall pick, mm-hmm. it's probably because you're a horrible team. So Phoenix is probably <laughs> like Phoenix might get that pick, and they're under so much scrutiny. Like if they, they kind of have to pick Zion at that point, you know, because if they don't pick Zion and try to kind of roll the dice with someone else, because and Zion ends up being just a, just one of the greatest basketball players ever, which yeah. he, he kind of marketed and being pushed as. A uh, guy who might become that, you mm. just like you. The the there's so much pressure on a franchise like that, especially because like they're not selling tickets, and they're not making n- not making enough money. Like in in a few years, they might have to like consider relocating. Like at that point, if Phoenix has a first overall pick, they kind of have to tr- draft a guy like Zion, you know, just to yeah. at, at the very least to drive fan interest. But I I think like. My just my hot take for this episode: RJ Barrett is very polished. Like I said, most polished guy in, in uh, college basketball right now. I just think a guy like Cameron Reddish has something, and he's just like this enigma who's gonna be really, really good. And he's just not getting, not getting enough touches, not getting in the same spotlight in Duke. And I think he's out of the three. I think he's the most projectable one. Mm-hmm. And I think he, I think there's a lot. In in Cameron Reddish that we're just gonna see, he's not gonna come out into the NBA next season and just completely dominate like I think a Zion could or even an RJ Barrett could. RJ Barrett could just come into the league and be like Jason Tatum. I think- I'm gonna I'm gonna give you guys one more name. Sure, uh, Rui Hachimura. Mm. Kid plays on Gonzaga. Yep. Yep. I, I, I'm not gonna say he's the next Giannis, but mm. he, he is as close to a sort of Giannis that I've that I've seen. Mm-hmm. He's incredibly lengthy. He's incredibly rangy. He mm-hmm. can shoot. He can drive. He can defend multiple positions. Um, like Giannis and like Siakam, coincidentally, he didn't start playing basketball until pretty late on in his career. I mean, he, he's got the tools, I think, to, to be a star. He really does. And he has, I think he's in his second or third year now at Gonzaga. Um, he's just developed incredibly each year. So lo- look out for him as well. He's definitely a name to remember. I love since, you, since you guys are throwing out uh, wild picks, I'm going to throw mine out there. Um, my man's Taco Falls, a uh, boy from Senegal, 7'6", 300 pounds. Who is this? Taco Falls. Yeah, you from, U- from UCF, yeah. High school. 
UCF, like Central, yeah. Central Florida. Yeah. I don't actually know who that is. You're already big. Seven, six, 300 pounds, man. Oh, that guy. That guy. Oh, I, oh he, he blew up on social media at one yeah, point. Like years ago. He's so massive. But, yeah, his mom just uh, came back from Senegal to see his game yeah, after like oh. five, six years, which is crazy. Yeah. That's funny. Honestly, I think like when I, when I eventually get kids, I'm going to throw them into baseball from a young age, and then when they turn 16, I'm just going to – just take them out of baseball, throw them into basketball, <laughs> and just teach them everything I know about basketball, and they're going to become the next Giannis out of the. Uh, hey, Rich, Rich, just a, just a quick aside. I don't want to talk about it too long, but <laughs> see, do you see how much Vladdy Guerrero weighs? I mean, Dude, this guy is a unit. Is- if we're talking about Taco Fall, like seven, six, two hundred, like Vladdy is an absolute unit. Dude, Vladdy <laughs> is thick with a CC. CCC, yeah. <laughs> That's a big booty. That's a big boy, man. Holy smokes. Like, um, Kevin, I don't know how much you know about, like, hitting for power. Um, Oh, man, everything. Everything, because you only hit dingers. But, like, a lot of of hitters generate a lot of their powers from their hips. His hips don't don't lie, man. Dude, Vladdy (laughs) Guerrero, so much power from his ass, it's incredible. (laughs) I've never seen anything like it. Like, there's Giancarlo Stanton, who's yeah. like insane, and then there's Vladdy, who just, like, generates insane raw power, and now he got hurt, which is horrible. The funny thing is, I'm doing my conference talk today, and everything's going well, and I'm happy, and I, I, I get off the podium, and just as I sit down, check my Twitter, one minute ago, Vladdy gets hurt. Well, hey, it's not, but it's not the worst news in the world, is it? Because he wouldn't have been able to... I don't know the exact details, but like what ten games in the season or something, he wouldn't yeah. have been able to be called yeah. up for some reason or another. So yeah, I guess so. I I'm, my big concern is like that's a thick boy, and he's getting or he's getting hamstring problems. That's a big boy, yeah. Walking around on third at third base, you know, that's yeah. my concern. Boys, uh, speaking of thick, let's talk about the thick Eastern Conference playoff ru- uh, rush right now. You got- horrible segue. You got a. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make it work somehow. I'm talking about thickness here. I gotta, mm-hmm. I gotta plug it in somehow. We gotta get back on basketball. I get Eastern Conference at the bottom. We got a few teams <clears> trying <throat> way through. What are your thoughts right now? Who's making it in? Who's not? Well, um, first of all, when you make that sort of segment, uh, that sort <laughs> of play with thick, I guess you can only go in, in two directions: the Eastern Conference or something else that we probably shouldn't talk about on air. Oh no, 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 no. my mom. No, no. no. But uh, here's my thoughts on the Eastern Conference. I think the Brooklyn Nets are going to be in. I think yeah, in. Detroit. Yep. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell has to be in there for Kevin's sanity. He's going to get the most improved player of the year too, right? He said he's got that bleep locked in. He can get the most most likely to succeed award if he wants, but he's not going to be most improved. But, we don't know yet, baby. We don't know yet. No, he's not gonna. Be, it's not honestly. It's not even close. I mean, I mean, if you get an all star nod, I mean, if you get an all star nod over the guy who's supposed to get the most I'll improved be, player, dude, I'll be pissed. I'll I be would, pissed. I would find it hilarious. It just, be because you're, it just, it just, it's just gonna send the NBA back if you just do that. But boycott NBA if that happens. But <laughs> like I said, Brooklyn's gonna make the playoffs. I think. Yeah. I think Detroit's gonna make the playoffs. The big question, I think, is going to be the final eight spot, and it's it seems like it's between three teams right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Miami, 
Uh, Charlotte and Orlando. Honestly, I think Charlotte's just going to f- continue just falling downwards because they just have Kemba Walker trying to make something happen out of nothing. Yeah. Um, for me, it's going to – it's just – I. I'm kind of leaning towards Miami simply because they have a little more experience with just getting to the playoffs. Um, other than today's game against the Raptors, they won four in a row. I know the competition hasn't been, been great, and I know their upcoming schedule is tough. But with Orlando, it's kind of like they got to show me that they can do it. And Orlando has a top 10 defense in basketball, which definitely will help. But yeah. I have a lot of questions about their offense because they're all, I think their offense is ranked like 25th. It's not good. And I think just Miami's been there, done that. I want to see Dwayne Wade play in the playoffs one more time, even though he's going to lose in like four games. But I, I it's going to be tough for Orlando to make it, I feel. Even though I, I think they're the better team, like in a vacuum. Yeah. But I just think something's going to go wrong there and there just something's going to happen. You know what but I mean? Rich, you have, to, you have to look at the remaining schedule too, right? Yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. because Orlando, it looks like, a pretty easy schedule compared to Miami's. Miami's playing Milwaukee a few times, Toronto a few times, mm-hmm. uh, Celtics twice, uh, Timberwolves, who else are they playing? San Antonio once, OKC. That's yeah. a schedule to go up against. Yeah, but also keep in mind, Orlando's 31 and 36. They're not that good of a basketball team. And Miami is 31. Miami. Miami's not that good, dude. They, a- they have some games where they, where they feel the heat and they go with it. But that's that's the that's the point. Like yeah. neither of those teams are good good basketball. <laughs> so you can play like the Chicago Bulls and the Atlanta Hawks one game, and you Whoa. might get blown out. You know, it's, it's disrespectful. But like, <laughs> true. Like you're saying that they like Orlando has an easier schedule, but like yeah. let's, let's not forget that Orlando and the Miami Heat are some of the more inconsistent basketball teams in the NBA because they're both under 500. They're neither of them are good. So, yeah, but would you rather have a finishing uh, schedule of multiple games with Cavaliers, Hawks, Pelicans, Grizzlies, mm-hmm. or Celtics, San Antonio, uh, Milwaukee, OKC? I, or mean, I mean, I would rather have Orlando schedule. I would rather have Orlando schedule too. But then again, no matter how easy a schedule is for two bad teams, like anything can happen. <sighs> Here, here's my take, boys. Um, I think, yeah, the, the Nets are in. Um, I think the Pistons have quietly been really, really good lately. Uh, they've been yeah. winning quite a few games, and uh, the, the acquisitions they made are helping. I mean, Wayne Ellington's been great. Thon Maker's been good. Svee Mikhailik hasn't played much, but when he's played, he's contributed. Um, what has this team lacked for a long time? Shooting. Mm-hmm. They, they haven't had shooters uh, around Drummond and Griffin. Yeah. Now they finally have it. They've restructured their lineup, and they're they're playing really good ball. I mean, Blake Griffin's quietly been really, really good. So yeah. Casey has them playing well. I think the yeah the Pistons and the Nets are right there for who's going to finish sixth uh, yeah. and seventh. As for the race for eighth, I think um, Charlotte's Charlotte's out. I don't think they have a chance. I mean, this team's a this team's a disaster. It really is. I mean, I'm sorry, Michael Jordan, but what the hell are you doing here, man? Yeah. I mean, they they, they they said they want to make the playoffs. They haven't really done anything for a long time. And then what do they do at the trade deadline? Absolutely nothing. It's ridiculous. Kemba Walker is going to leave that team. Uh, they don't deserve to make the playoffs. I think the question of Orlando versus Miami is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin, you're right. Orlando has a far easier schedule. And the decision to keep Vucevic and Ross at the deadline kind of looks like it's been a good one because they've they've been winning games and they're right in the race. And keep in mind that the 
that the Magic hadn't made the playoffs in six years either. So uh, making the playoffs is a big deal. I think they're pretty desperate to get back in, but I think Miami makes it. Uh, yeah. They've been playing better since Dragic came back. He was basically out all year. Um, mm-hmm. Waiters is back and healthy. Uh, they're they're good. They're, listen, if you if you were to ask me if I'm a top three team, so let's say the Heat get in. If I if I would want to face you know the Heat, the Magic, uh, Miami's the team I'd want to avoid. I, I I really think so. I mean, I think this team is obviously coached by a great coach in Eric Spolstra. They mm-hmm. have some experience. They've got like I said, they got Dragic back. They got some really really good wing defenders and josh richardson and justice winslow so i think they get in i really do i think they get in over the magic and i think that um yeah like i said pistons and pistons and nets are the other two teams mm-hmm. yeah. and just a quick point about uh charlotte what kemba walker is forced to do in charlotte is essentially what lebron was thrown into in, in los angeles just like here's a star Make something out of nothing. That's that's Charlotte. For Except Kemba's been in this situation for what five years now. Yeah, it's in, it's incredible. Like I don't have no idea what they're doing in Charlotte. It's horrible. And I'll tell you this: I think the main reason Charlotte's been in this situation for the last five years, not all the blame is on him, but a lot of it is Nicholas Batum. They yeah, gave this guy so much money. I think he's making like twenty-five million a year. Yeah, he has been absolutely brutal like he has been if we're talking about uh, the most disappointing players the last like i i think back to portland when this guy played with aldridge and uh and lillard he was great he was an awesome two-way player borderline all-star ever since he signed with charlotte he's been horrible and he's ate up so much of this team's cap space he's hampered them to the, to the point where they can't do much else in terms of acquiring other players so mm. uh, big 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 i mean that batum has been horrible yeah, oh, I, I agree. Like their their top earners right now is Batum at twenty four million, Bismack Biambo Biambo at seventeen million, Marvin Williams at fourteen, Cody Zeller at thirteen, and uh, Michael Gilchrist at yeah. thirteen. Then yeah. Campbell. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. That's, that's bad. I don't know who's running their analytics and their like salary uh, transaction um, department or whatever, but they're just horrible at giving giving out contracts. You know, I, I think Michael Jordan is trying to run everything. That's the problem. Michael Michael Jordan's an ISO no. guy in everything. No, I, will- I don't. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I just think what Charlotte <laughs> is has done, and what a lot of teams have done historically, yeah. is they pay guys for what they did before. Like, like what did you do for me lately? Not for what you're gonna do for me in the future. And yeah. Charlotte, it just hit them really hard, and Nicholas Batum, horrible yeah, contract. Yeah. He's 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 set that franchise back at least. Yeah. And, and and look, I've said this before. I mean, this should have happened at least three years ago. The Hornets just need to hit the reset button. I mean, yeah. somebody get a nuke in there, and bl- I mean, fire the fire the coaching staff, get rid of the players, fire the janitors, fire the 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 everybody. Just just. Throw a nuke in there and start over again because honestly, this is not going anywhere. Charlotte have to start all over again. Can we just pretend they never happen and start another team somewhere else? Because honestly, that's not they, a bad thing. They, they just moved from. They just. Oh no, sorry, they didn't move. They just changed their name from. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the thing is, they're also like not an attractive market, so it's really tough for them to attract uh, marquee names. <laughs> Yeah, so that's why they have to kind of rele- relegate themselves to like the Nicholas Batums and the Bismack Biombos. But that's the thing. Mm-hmm. I think the NBA is going to start to slowly change and start to pay for to for guys for what they're 
projected to do as opposed for what they did before. And I mean, Charlotte is the perfect blueprint for what not to do as a team. Yeah. and Nicholas Batum, like part of it is his fault. Part of it is on injuries. I mean, the money they threw at Marvin Williams, the money they threw at Bismarck Biombo after he yeah. blocked a few shots with the Toronto Raptors. You know, like, you know, like uh, it's it's insane. It's kind of like I I'll, I'll compare what the what the what the what the Hornets did to Biombo with uh, how some teams. Uh, draft their players they just watch the ncaa tournament and go like oh this guy had three really good tournament games we're gonna draft him really high in the draft (laughs) well but to to be fair there was plenty of interest that summer in biombo i mean he was he was the x factor on that on that raptors team so i can't necessarily blame them for that i mean did they overpay him sure but he looked fantastic boys i need to i need to i need to ask you guys a question i mean we talked about the eastern conference playoff race now as a kings fan I, oh, I, I need some hope, boys. There's the Spurs are probably gonna lose to the Bucks tonight. It's yeah. a they're, they're three game sorry, the Spurs are gonna lose to the Bucks tonight, putting them three games ahead of the Kings. Is there any hope left? Or should I just give up already? What do you guys think? I think honestly, honestly, I, I, I would give up right now. I love the Kings, but also losing Marvin Bagley has been a huge impact for you guys. He's coming back soon. He's yeah. coming back, but even with that though, Greg Popovich, he runs a tight ship. No matter who he has in the roster, he has a system. Yeah, that's made into playoffs consecutively, For, and I think they're gonna lock up that eighth position, dude. Unfortunately, and I'm uh, sorry about that. I think, I th- I think the Spurs kind of have this in the bag. Yeah, and um, it's just there's not a lot of time left. Like you're three games behind. Fifteen games. Fifteen games. Like that's 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 quite a lot of. That's tough. Yeah, like, you're playing against proven playoff teams, and they're playing like the Clippers are playing well. The Spurs. I haven't followed the Spurs too much lately, but they've been bad. I mean, they they that that's that's the one reason I sort of have an ounce of hope. I mean, everybody always says this is the Spurs. It's Popovich. Yeah. They'll figure it out. But this really isn't the Spurs anymore. Yeah, Th- no, this isn't the Spurs. This is this is a bad team, man. Yeah, it really I mean, is. Like they've had a four game win streak up to this point right now. I, they beat Denver. They beat OKC uh, on that four game win streak, and I I, I think they, they're gonna pull it through. I think the Spurs just have too much pride to oh, hit yeah. the restart button. Because, like, for example, with the Kawhi Leonard trade, like, mm-hmm. do you really need DeMar DeRozan right now with where you're at? Like, take a step back, evaluate your roster, see what you're doing. Like, why do you need DeMar DeRozan? Instead, trade Kawhi Leonard, get some prospects, get some draft picks. You clearly do well with drafting players. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and to, to be fair, I mean, uh, before the season started, they lost Dewante Murray, their point guard. He's yeah. really yeah. he's he he was he's a major major part of that team. So I yeah, you know, without him, obviously, it's it's taken a toll. But look, mm-hmm. as a Kings fan, I'm gonna keep hoping. Three games back, fifteen games yeah. left. We'll see what happens. But to I, I mean, they're projected right now with a four percent chance of making the playoffs. But for the kick, fortunately. Uh huh. But and and we gotta wrap this one up soon. But to kind of make you feel better, Ogie. I feel like the the Kings still took a very very big step in the right direction. So whether they make the playoffs or not, honestly, yeah. it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because yeah. honestly, they'll they'll make it to the playoffs. Let's say they make it to the playoffs, they'll play the Golden State Warriors. They're gonna get slapped. Yeah, yeah I, I think they're I think they're kind of set up to be a dynasty, man. I think with Fox and Bagley, like you have two sure. all stars left. I think I I wouldn't say dynasty but and this is something i told kevin a little bit ago i think they have one of the most dynamic young backcourts in basketball and you need that in 
today's NBA. I think De'Aaron Fox is perfect for just pushing the ball, pushing the tempo. They're very quick. Like pace for me is a really big thing. And that's why they were always like very close when they played against the Warriors because they're a really high uh, fast paced team. And Buddy Heald is just a perfect compliment for a guy like De'Aaron Fox because he just shoots. Right. And like Marvin Bagley just looks like he's going to be really good. And mm-hmm. when, when he just entered the league, I didn't really expect too much right at the beginning because I think he's more of a project. Um, unlike De'Aaron, uh, DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Ayton, but I think he's going to be really good. Um, they have a really good core right now with these mm-hmm. three guys. Mm-hmm. And they, it's something to build around, you know, and they're still really young. They're not due a lot of money at the moment. They can start bringing in free agents now because people can see like, okay, they're starting to write the ship. Things mm-hmm. are starting to go better. I and- just want this playoff drought to end already, man. I mean, do, yeah. you, do you realize that they have the third longest playoff drought in pro sports? Yeah, and that's and that's because of of horrible management. But after the it, Seattle Mariners and Cleveland Browns, it's the Kings, man. Since 6 like it's yeah. just it's horrible. But but the thing is, they still have a really good fan base. That's something that I noticed. Yep. They they still get a lot of attention, and I think they're they're gonna break through soon. If it's not this year, it's gonna be next year. I, I kind of compare them to Denver of last year. Yeah, um, good good call. Yep. I think Denver had a, a few like better pieces um, mm. like outside of the core, but remember how Denver just missed out on the playoffs last year and you're yeah, like, exactly. yeah, exactly. That's a good, that's a good comparison, but you just see them coming and you yeah. know that this is just one year too early. And I think that's the case with the Kings. I think it's just one year too early. So even if they make the playoffs, like, I mean, they'll get that taste of, of playoff experience, which is always good, but I just think next year they're, they're going to be there, you know? Mm. And, and yo, that, that boy on your team, Harry Giles, he's good. Yeah, starting yeah. to step up too. He that that was a steal, man. Like because uh, yeah, Giles was injured mm-hmm. most of his most of his freshman campaign, so he sort yeah. of slipped down rankings. But coming into his first year, I mean, kind of like Michael Porter too. Like these guys were highly highly touted, but yeah. injuries as yeah. a result of injuries that pushed them down. And that's why the Kings drafted him. Yeah, he's he's looked good. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't write off the dynasty thing yet because I mean, there is potential. You mm-hmm. have some key players there who can turn out if they go in the right way. Yeah, some of the best players in the league. And yeah. and if I'm if I'm an all star and I see and I'm sort of weighing my options and I see like a fox healed and big yeah. in Sacramento, mm-hmm. I'm interested. Yeah, guys who can break down defense and just dish you the ball. Yes, one hundred percent. They're so that's kids. Yeah, there. It just seems like a fun team to be a part of. Oh like, yeah, I'm an all star. I would want to go there and play with the, those young guys. You know, For they're sure. they're kind of keep me young. Why not? But, <laughs> you know, and I mean, do you I'll see Kawhi Leonard? Leonard? Exactly. Like, give Kawhi Leonard a reason to smile. If he doesn't stay with the with the Raptors, go to Sacramento and be it's happy. L.A. One way or another, I'd be happy with that. California. There we go. But anyways, boys, we got to wrap this one up. Uh, lots of good conversation today. Once again, for the hottest basketball content, check out ballandroll.com. Some great basketball gear. Check out shop.ballandroll.com. It's been a pleasure, boys. Until next week. <laughs>